DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. It is very important, isn't it, for us who are sitting in the pew and we are watching, observing what's happening at the altar, for us to truly have that understanding of who is offering the prayers we're about to hear. Yes, that is crucial for our religious imagination and for our conversion as well. It's very easy for all of us to fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, I went to Father Smith's Mass and uh, Father Smith has some idiosyncrasies I don't agree with, or he, you know his homilies are too long or too short or whatever. And we, we politicize the Mass and we personalize it. Uh, his Mass or the way he does it or the way his actions are. And we forget the whole sacramental imagination, which is the whole Mass is the action of Christ. And it takes some spiritual and religious discipline to actually see into that mystery that this is the actions of Christ. Again, following on what we said previously, this is the great dignity of the priesthood, that Christ has called this individual man, called him so he could be weak before the mystery of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and allow that mystery to be uttered in his life as priest. Christ called him so that Christ could act in him. And uh, we reduce the Mass to... uh, you know, on, on the surface, a repetitive, ritualistic, boring ceremony if we think it's Father Smith's Mass. Or we put so much uh, weight on Father to be entertaining or to be witty or to, you know, to, to make us laugh. Or It has nothing to do with this man, Father Smith. This is the action of Christ. Uh, the same would be true at baptism. When the water is being poured, it's Christ pouring the water. When When the prayers of reconciliation are said in the sacrament of reconciliation, it's Christ saying the prayers, Christ reconciling you to the Father. And so I think our participation in the Mass and our rendering ourselves available to be taken by Christ into his mystery will go much easier if we begin to practice a a simple little mental discipline of perhaps saying uh, as the Mass begins, everything that now transpires is the action of Christ. It's the action of Christ now. If it's just something simple like that. So we take sort of the pressure off of Father Smith uh, not to be the leader of this, um, this ritual that will make us uh, feel good about ourselves or whatever we're looking for in a human level. But no, this is the action of Christ. I, I wish to be taken up into the action of Christ as well. Uh, and Christ is using this priest as a mediator Uh, for all of us to enter the action of Christ. The prayer that's offered, the Eucharistic prayer, is such an important event, such an important thing for us to actively participate in, even though we may not be saying the actual words. 
but we are called to be a part of it, aren't we? Yeah, so again, participation doesn't mean talking. You can participate very deeply uh, in silence. Uh, in the movies, you just take a, a media example, people are, are very active in the movies. They're, they're engaged in the movies. Uh, in a, you know, walking down the, you know, the, the park lane, you know, holding hands with your, your wife or your husband, and there's no words transpiring. You're very engaged. You're, very, you're deeply participating in the event of, of walking together, even though there's no words that are transpiring. So we, the people in the pew, we're not saying anything during the Eucharistic prayer, uh, outwardly or orally, uh, audibly, I mean, uh, but we are deeply participating in this. This is, um, this is the time when we surrender ourselves to the very depth of our being. This is the time when we offer ourselves when we entrust ourselves to this mystery, this mystery of having our whole lives taken up into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, so that whether I'm rich or poor or sick or healthy, I can never be separated from this mystery. I'm surrendering to this mystery here as it's unfolding before me. And to some extent, I I thank God we don't talk during it, uh, because we would perhaps get taken up into the words that we're uttering Similar in the earlier parts of the Mass, perhaps when we all say the Creed together, and sometimes it just, it just comes trippingly off the tongue in a way that is um, superficial. Here we are silenced, and Christ takes over, so to speak. The words of Christ, this is my body, this is my blood. We are silenced before his actions and his words, and we entrust ourselves to his actions and his words. The Eucharistic prayer is is our time to do that, to entrust ourselves to Christ's actions and Christ's words. Now, these prayers, and the priests have many options for praying the Eucharistic prayer. We're most familiar with the, perhaps the Eucharistic prayer number, uh, number two, which is said uh, normally in a daily Mass, and then perhaps Eucharistic prayer number three, which is the choice of a lot of priests uh, for the Sunday Mass. The Eucharistic prayer number three begins, Father, you are holy indeed and all creation rightly gives you praise. Uh, sometimes we hear the Eucharistic prayer number one, and uh, that one begins, we come to you, Father. And, and a lot of times when lay people hear that one, they say, oh, you know, he chose the long one. You know, why did he choose the long one? We come to you, Father, with praise and thanksgiving. Because we're still in that, that mode of uh, American pragmatism, and it's all about getting in, getting out, getting the job done, and getting on with our life. So when we hear the first Eucharistic prayer, a lot of times we groan. Why did he choose that long one? We like Eucharistic prayer number two. That's the shortest. That means Father likes us and he's going to get us in and get us out. And that pragmatism uh, is probably one of the first things we should bring to the Mass to be cured, uh, to be healed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody wants to... It's like when you go to the hospital and you visit someone very quickly. You're in, you're out, and the person feels like, well, it was just a duty done. There was no real attempt on this person to sit with me, to even have compassion, to suffer with me somewhat. You know, can't we have some compassion for Christ? And can't we linger with him in his mystery? Can't we have some compassion with Christ and linger with him at the foot of the cross? Do we always have to be Americans in a rush, in, out, quick, uh, on with whatever next event we're going to? Uh, When you're sick and in the hospital and someone does that to you, you feel slighted. You feel like an object. You feel like you were just something to check off on the, on the list of what to do today. 
And um, analogically, I think we can think of this with the, with the Mass as well. Uh, let's have some compassion for Christ. Let's linger with him as he suffers on the cross. Let's linger with him as he offers himself to us so that he and his great mystery of life may take up residence in us. Let's, let's not be too in a hurry um, to miss this opportunity of surrender to salvation itself. Where are you going? Uh, what's more important than surrendering to the mystery of salvation? Because obviously, if we don't enter into salvation, every other value of the day is relativized into meaninglessness. This is the pinnacle, this is the apex of the day, of the week, of the year, of our lives. Where are you going? Why in such a hurry to, to leave the presence of Christ? So no matter what Eucharistic prayer the priest chooses, let's rejoice in the fact that we have one. Mm-hmm. Let's rejoice in the fact that we have a priest who will actually uh, offer us salvation. I would just say that in, in light of the theme of our, our conversations here about moral living in the Eucharist. I would just say that perhaps you want to linger over the first Eucharistic prayer for Masses of Reconciliation. Now this one you may hear sometimes in Lent or, or you may hear at special occasions or on retreats. I would encourage priests perhaps to pray it more often. I think it's one of the more beautifully written of the Eucharistic prayers. In the preface of the, of the Eucharistic prayer, number one, the Mass for Reconciliation, it says this, Time and time again we broke your covenant, but you did not abandon us. Instead, through your Son, Jesus our Lord, you bound yourself even more closely to the human family by a bond that never can be broken. Now is the time for your people to turn back to you and to be renewed in Christ your Son. How beautiful that is in terms of our, old, our own anthropological nature, right? Time and time again, we broke your covenant. You know, anybody else, any of the human would have given up. How many times, you know, can someone be unfaithful to you before you just get tired of the whole thing? And humans, seven times, 70 times. Mm-hmm. And God does, n- does not abandon us. Time and time again, we broke your covenant. Here, we're taking a whole sweep of salvation history from the beginning in Genesis until the time that we are living in now. Our history with God is a history of infidelity. And God's response is always to never abandon us, but instead to do something outrageous, to join us in this life. The second person of the Blessed Trinity taking on flesh, coming down and joining us in this life so that the bond will absolutely be solidified and our imaginations will be fired with the love of God. See how Christ has loved us. See how God has loved us. He has has become one with us. He didn't uh, get mad after we broke the covenant again and again and still do. He didn't take all his toys and go home. He did something outrageous. He became one of us so that the bond could even be more deeply solidified, so that we could adhere to him even more deeply. He became a human being. It's a very powerful preface. The other uh, implication in the Mass of reconciliation in prayer number one is found in this very beautiful section, which again brings to mind 
the importance of the connection between the Eucharist and, and moral conversion. When we were lost and could not find our way to you, you loved us more than ever. See the power of that. When we were lost, obviously talking here about sin, mm -hmm. when we were lost and could not find our way to you, you loved us more than ever. Again, notice the contrast between what you would say a common human response and the divine response. This is why we begin this whole section of the Mass with holy, holy, holy. We're not talking about a human being here with human responses. We're talking about the divine mind. Now, the human response, you're, you're lost. Again, the implication of sin. Uh, you have turned away from me. Or you're so lost, forget it. But here's the beauty. When we were lost, when we could not find our way to God, God loved us more. He didn't hate us. He didn't ignore us. He didn't leave us to our own devices. You can even hear parental claims in that. You made your own bed, lie in it. That's not God's mind. When, when we are lost, when we cannot find our way, God doesn't abandon us. God loves us even more. There's enough truth in there to silence us for a long time of meditation. It goes on to say, Jesus, your Son, innocent and without sin, gave himself up into our hands and was nailed to the cross. So we were lost. We couldn't find our way. God loved us even more. He sent us the one without sin. And of course, we sinned against the one without sin. That's our great pathology. That's how pathetic we are. That when, the, that when love comes to us, we kill love. When our salvation comes near, we reject it. And we don't think we need a Savior. And we don't think that we're sick. And we don't think that we're pathetic. All the self-help books and all the self-affirmation books piled high to the ceiling can never cover over the fact of this deep and abiding wound within the human that when help comes, a lot of times, we hate help. And that is where we need the Savior because the Savior stands his ground even as he is spat upon and and whipped and nailed to a cross. I love you even more, he says. Outrageous. Mm -hmm. And it goes on, yet before he stretched out his arms between heaven and earth, in the everlasting sign of your covenant, he desired to celebrate the Paschal Feast in the company of his disciples. And then it moves into those famous words of Jesus. This is my body, this is my blood. Before he gave up his life, he wanted what he was about to offer to become indelibly marked upon the bride itself. He wanted the mystery to be indelibly marked. And so he was going to leave the mystery with us. His love was so great his love for us was not just to be a memory to be recollected. He didn't want his love to be nostalgic. He wanted his love to be always present. 
It's a big difference in the way many people think of the Eucharist. A lot of people think of it as nostalgia. What are you doing at the Mass? Well, we're remembering the Last Supper. He wanted the exact opposite of that. He didn't want us to enter into a nostalgia about what he did for us. He wanted us to enter what he did for us. He wants us to enter what he's doing for us. And that is that whole question of time at the Mass, which we've lost a a sense of, that we really are at a different time. Eternity is coming to to meet us and, and pick us up and take us into this everlasting moment of God's divine love in Jesus. I'm going to give you myself and I'm going to give you myself for always and forever. And here is the place where you can always have access to this giving. This is my body. This is my blood. And if you are a sinner, if you know you're lost, and if you know you could not find your way back, and if you know that you wandered for many years, please know that I love you more than ever. In other words, I'm not mad at you. I'm not your your weak and struggling parents. I'm God. I, I can't do anything but love. So you're no longer lost. You have found your way back. Because I have come and searched you out with my cross, with my love, in the form of bread and wine and priesthood. So the Eucharistic prayer we receive in silence. Now, could it be any other way? We'll return in just a moment to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. 
From the desire of being consulted. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. It really is an onus upon us when the Church calls us to full and active participation to take the time to enter into the profundity of the words that are being said, the sentiments that are being offered, the prayer that is being lifted up, uh, and not to be audience-like in our pews, sitting back. I mean, it really, this is a, a mystical encounter, isn't it? Right, we don't want, we don't want to be passive. See, the, the thing that we battle against all the time is the crush of our own limitations, the crush of our own body, the, the crush of a, the pew is too hard, or I've got an ache in my back now, or I've got a headache, or, or the lights are too bright in this church, or this is real time that this great gift is being given to us within. So we all struggle with what's really happening. What, what gift is really being given? And we can be distracted so easily. This is why, for many people, the essential element of the Mass is recollection before the Mass. And uh, we touched upon this briefly in another show, I think, but so important to to underscore that. As a pastor, 
Perhaps the, the pastor wants to come out before Mass and say, let's prepare for this Mass by now all being silent. Because we've, we got into this habit of using the sanctuary as a place to visit. And those who might think otherwise are usually assaulted today. You know, But you don't think the church is about friendship and community? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. You can't even talk about silence in some communities today because it's always seen as an attack upon community. If you don't have silence, if you don't recollect it to receive this mystery, then the very power to love the person sitting next to you, the very power that you need to love the person sitting next to you will never be received because you'll miss it because you're not participating. You're just showing up. Silence is not, in some sense, that which separates us from each other as a Catholic community. Silence is the glue that adheres one each to each to the other. Because if I don't receive the mystery of Christ loving his church, despite our sinfulness, how am I ever going to truly love you, the person who lives down the block to me, from me at my parish? Because you definitely will sin against me. Unless these people think that Catholic community is just a superficial veneer of friendliness or niceness. And if they think Catholic community can exist as a superficial veneer of friendliness or niceness, then of course they have no idea what real communion is. I can only love you in the power of Christ. And you can only love me in the power of Christ. And if I don't receive the power of Christ at Mass, because I missed it, because I wasn't recollected, because I didn't take time to enter into the mystery, enveloped in silence, I will never love you. I'll be nice to you. But I'll never truly will your good. Because to will your good is a power that's beyond me. It is a gift I receive from participation in the Eucharist. So this, the power of this section of the Mass, where the actual gift is bestowed, and all time stops, this has to be welcomed at a much deeper level than we normally welcome the rush of the daily routine. Or we'll miss it. Or we'll say that Mass is boring, stupid, or a waste of my time, because it's the same thing every time I go. If I'm not if I don't understand that I'm receiving at a much deeper level, I'm receiving a, a being at a much deeper level, so that I can gift my being to you. Otherwise what's important is the, the donuts after the mass or something like that. That's, that's helpful, that's nice. But do the donuts after the Mass empower me to love you? If you harm me in some way in my business, or you insult my wife, the, the power of the donuts give me some strength to actually will your good despite the fact that you hurt me? No, it's a ludicrous example, but this is the point. Christian community is much deeper than the superficial, 
niceness. Willing the good for another can cost, but willing the good is what truly bears Christian community. That's what carries us. And we receive the capacity to will the good to one another only if we have recollected ourselves to truly receive the mystery of the Eucharistic prayer, the gift of Christ in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Deacon Keating. You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com And join us next time for The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.